Some of us, we don't feel there's hope for a future because maybe it's been a bad season in your life. God's not done with you. God can still give you a future. He can still give you hope. When you and I get a new view of Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. God can take you to a different place if you would only believe. I want to grow and be more like Jesus because the world around me needs Jesus. Because God still called me to be a light. When you get filled with love and compassion, you do some pretty crazy things. And I can see God in the spirit chasing after us and welcome us back home to receive us when every demon in hell is trying to stop us from coming back. We are here to be a hospital for the hurting. This church is a last resort for a lot of people. It doesn't matter where you are in this moment of your life. Jesus wants to give you a new destiny. He doesn't look at our past. He sees what we can become. Hello, everyone. I would like to welcome all those watching online, on demand, all of our campuses all over Tampa. And could we give a special hand of applause for the women who are at the Hernando County Women's Correctional Institute. Come on, guys. So pumped up to be with you today. My name is Pastor Ralph. I'm the campus pastor right here at the Van Dyke campus. Come on, Van Dyke. Yeah. Love you guys. Well, I woke up this morning and I had a crazy idea. A crazy idea. I, I took my iPhone out and I asked Siri how to find God. It was a dangerous question because Siri was so confused and responded with all kind of different information. I was like, wow, this is amazing because today I have to talk to a whole bunch of people, thousands of people, about how to find their way home, and Siri could not help me. And so I, I want to give you an idea. We're going to kind of travel today, and we're going to use a map, and I like to call God's Word, the Bible, our roadmap. And I know for many of you, you have no idea what a map is. Well, a map is this deal. You just unfold it, and it had all these different states on it and little squiggly lines and their roads. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's a map. And you use it to try to figure out how to get to where you're going. And normally we would take our map out when we're lost. We would normally take our map out when we're lost. And there was a time in my life when I was lost. I was lost for 25 years. For 25 years, I lived life on my own terms. For 25 years, I was going one way away from God. For 25 years, I was a, a liar, a deceiver, a thief. For 25 years, I was lost. I knew a whole lot about God, but I didn't know God. I went to church. I grew up in church. I actually used to catch the city bus. As my mom worked three jobs, I would catch the city bus to church uh, at, at eight years old by myself. I would go to Sunday school. I had, as we used to say, good religion, but I didn't have a relationship. You see, I was deceiving myself because you can be lost and think you're fine. Men, we do it all the time. Honey, do you know where you're going? Yeah, I got this. You end up in the wrong place. My sin got worse and worse. And by the time I got in high school, I had kind of fell away. And because they're recording this, I won't go into the sin that I went into in high school. And I know this sounds like a little Debbie Downer because 
It's like Sinners Anonymous. Hi, my name is Ralph and I'm a sinner. But reality of it is we all can kind of relate to being in that lost place. I got married and every relationship that I had was a rocky relationship. I tried all different kind of religions. I tried Islam. I tried social clubs. I tried all kinds of things. And something happened in December 1996. I was home on leave. And a friend of mine invited me to church. And I had plans that night. My plans that night was to go out, party, have a good time, hang out with some ladies, and do my thing. But something in me said, why don't you try church? And I went to church that night. And I accepted Christ. And my life had never been the same. His spirit came to live in me. And I was born again. And I was home. And I'm so glad, so glad every time I think about it that God didn't give up on me. Because if he would have, I would still be lost. You see, spiritual lostness is defined as a life in this world without God. Christian artist Lecrae calls it breathing to death. Oh, we're still breathing, but we're dead. And many of us are breathing to death. We're not alive in Christ. And when we look at our world, we look at the news and we read the newspaper, it's just kind of discouraging. But I won't judge the people in the world because at one time I was just like them. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be in the same situation. We're all born with this sin condition. You know, you go to the doctor and they, the first thing they do is they have you fill out a bunch of papers and they ask you, what's your health history? I mean, did, you, did your parents have high blood pressure? Did they have diabetes? Did your parents have a heart condition? Because they, they feel like if, you, if your parents had that, then you would inherit that. Well, sin is no different. As much as we love our parents and as much as we love our grandparents and our great-great-grandparents and our great-great-great-great-grandparents, as far as we can go back, sin has been passed down since Adam and Eve. And I asked myself a question this week. I said, Ralph, who taught you how to sin? Like, who makes the two-year-old baby say, mine? Mine. It's all mine. I remember seeing a little girl in Target one day, and she's, she's walking with her two brothers, and every time the brother grabbed something off the shelf and said, Mommy, can I have this? The little girl said, no, mine. It's all mine. Who taught us how to be self-seeking? No one sat me down and said, Ralph, this is how you look someone in their eyes and lie to them. This is how you deceive people, Ralph. No, it just kind of came naturally. And so when I look at what happens to us naturally, I think about the ministries like our clubhouse. In our clubhouse, infants through uh, kindergarten learn that God made them, that God loves them, and that Jesus wants to be their friend forever. What a great way to counteract the sin nature at an early age. And I'm so grateful that on all of our campuses and right here at Van Dyke, we're raising up a generation of kids who are going to rock this world and this nation for Jesus Christ because they understand who they are in him. I want you to keep your outlines because you're going to use this as a map to lead people to Christ. This is something you want to save. This is going to give you some verses where you can sit down with your friends and your neighbors and point them to the way home. When I look at that word home, home to me is a life with God. It's as simple as that. Home to me is a life with God. 
And when I make that, when I make that definition, you're going to find out why here in a second. So as travelers, we're going to make our first stop. And I used to love when I was driving with my kids in our minivan with the roll-down windows. We used to call it the bubble. And I would point to the kids and I'd say, guys, 125 miles, we're almost to Savannah. And there's always that sign that's way away to let you know that you're on the right track. And so our first sign is going to come from Jeremiah 1.5. Look at your outlines. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So God is talking to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is kind of fearful at the time to give you a little background, but God's talking to Jeremiah about who he called him to be. But there's something interesting about this verse. This is one of my favorite verses now in all the Bible. There's something interesting about this verse. I was wondering why I couldn't see. There's something interesting <laughs> about Jeremiah 1.5 when you can see it. In the first sentence, it says this. I knew you before. I formed you in your mother's womb. God knew us spiritually before he formed us physically. Oh boy, that's good news. You mean to tell me that I have eternal value? All my life, people have told me, hey, you're never amount to anything. Hey, you can't do this. Hey, you can't do that. And, and the world try to rob us of our value. God says you have eternal value because I knew you before you were even formed. I knew you before the sperm and the egg. I knew you before the 21 chromosomes from your mom and the 21 chromosomes from your dad. I knew you before you were born in the sin. I knew you before you ever had a hurt or a pain. I knew you before that, and I love you eternally. I knew you before. I formed you in your mother's womb. When you look at your outlines, I want you to change the wording a little bit. As you see the word you, I knew you, I want you to write your name there. When you see you again after formed, I want you to write your name. And in, uh, when it says in your, I want you to put your gender, his or her. So it should read this way. Your personal outline should say, I knew Ralph before I formed Ralph in his mother's womb. God knew us spiritually before he formed us physically. That word knew to know something is a Hebrew word. There's your Hebrew word for today. Your Hebrew word for today is yada. Yada means to ascertain by seeing. It means to be acquainted with. It means to perceive. It means to know by experience. It means to recognize and consider. Do you guys realize when you read your Bibles in the book of Genesis, it said that Adam knew Eve and she conceived. Oh boy. That means God's intimately acquainted with each one of us from eternity past. Before you were ever a thought, God knew you. David adds to the conversation in Psalms 139. You want to write this down. In Psalms 139, 16 on our screens, it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. My mind's blown. He knew me before. My days have been recorded in his book before there was ever a day. Nothing in our life and nothing in our existence takes God by surprise. Now it makes sense. He knew me before. 
Because I always wonder, why would God send Jesus to die for me? Why would God send Jesus for sinners? Why would God send Jesus to die for those who are born basically enemies of him because of sin? It makes sense now because he knew us before. And while Jesus is seeking us, we seek a lot of things. We seek money. We seek fame. We seek being who's who. We seek belonging and significance. But I learned this truth. A sense of belonging only comes when I return to the one who knew me before. A sense of belonging can only come when I return to the one that knew me before because he's the one that I belong to for eternity. So in stop one on our trip, we have learned this, that God had a relationship with us before. In stop two, we're introduced to Jesus in the book of Luke. It's, it gives us Jesus' mission statement. As we get a little closer to home, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Present tense. He came to seek those who are lost. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God is seeking and saving people all around us. And when I think about this being Jesus' mission, that he came to seek and save those who are lost, I think about our value at Grace Family Church to reach the lost. What if we bought in to reaching the lost? What if we came alongside Jesus and started seeking and save our family? What if we started seeking and saving our friends? What if we started seeking and saving our loved ones and our, our neighbors? What if we started seeking and serving to save those on our job? What if we used our social media to glorify God and to seek and to save those in this world who are lost? I think a lot of things may change. A lot of signs would happen. Jesus follows up this with a parable, and one of my favorite parables in all of the Bible is a parable of the ten coins. In Luke 15, 8, it says, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Come on, ladies, you got ten silver coins. Now, I know every woman in this world, in this room, and in the world, can keep track of ten silver coins. She knows her money. Every woman knows their money. And so if she has ten silver coins and she loses one, how many, ten, how many coins belong to her? It was ten. They belong to her because she's intimately acquainted with ten. That's the only reason how she would know that she lost one. She knew the ten before she lost the one. When I look at this, it makes me realize when, when they're explaining what the woman does, it says she looks through her house and she lights up every dark place and she sweeps around until she finds the one. I can think about Jesus moving by the power of the Holy Spirit, lighting up your life, every single dark place. He's sweeping up your friends. He's sweeping up your families. He's showing you signs and wonders, trying to draw you back to him because he's all about the one. And maybe you're the one. Maybe all the things that Jesus has been doing around you has drawn you to help you understand that he's calling you home. He's passionately seeking us like the woman who lost the one coin. There are millions of people that are lost and Jesus is seeking them one by one. 
When I think about this, the one by one and the intimacy of how God seeks us, I got a phone call last week. And it's an illustration of this. And it came from the Hillsborough County Jail. And there was a young man on the phone that I met two years ago. And he said, hey, Pastor Ralph, thank you for taking my call. I don't want anything from you. He said, I'm facing life in prison. And I go before the judge next month. And I'm struggling with my faith. He said, could you help me understand how God could love me and how I can have a relationship with him? And as I sat there and I explained to him, and I'll be honest with you, with tears in my eyes. And I talked to him about the gospel and I, I shared some of these verses with him of how he could be confident in God no matter where he is. He accepted Christ. And we celebrated over the phone. And he was so encouraged because he had the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I remember before we hung up, I said to him, I said, you may be physically incarcerated, but you can be spiritually free. No matter where you are, you could be physically incarcerated, but you could be spiritually free. And I want to say something to the women at the Hernando County Women's Correctional Institute. No matter where you are, you can be physically there, but you can be spiritually free. You can be born again. You can have freedom. You can walk in love. You can walk in peace. You can have joy. You can have all the attributes of God, no matter where you are, because he's seeking to save you. And I asked him a question. I said, hey, man, why, why would you call me? We, had, we didn't even talk two years ago. And this explains how God would move things around in order to reach the one. He said, Ralph, I saw you on a commercial, and you were talking about Uber during Christmas. I said, what? He said, yeah, I was in here, and I, I saw the commercial where you guys were inviting people to church. And when I thought about his answer, I thought about the fact that I didn't even come to Van Dyke until December 1st. I thought about the fact that in November was when we decided to come to Van Dyke. And I thought about how God would chase after a young man in jail who can't even catch an Uber and use an Uber commercial to cause him to call somebody that can give him hope in Christ in a hopeless situation. God will move all kind of things around in order to reach us. My mind's blown. And have what God would do to seek and to save that which is lost. Many times we look at things and we're like, oh, that's a coincidence. No, that's God. That's an eternal God trying to call you into an eternal home. Oh, you think it's, you think it's a coincidence because you cry when worship music is on? No, that's not a coincidence. God is softening your heart and drawing you to him. You think it's a coincidence when you read certain verses and, and, and it jumps off the page into your life? No, that's not a coincidence. God's trying to reach you and he's calling you to, to himself. Don't take anything lightly because God will seek and save that which is lost. He'll do anything to reach you because you're just that valuable. You're just that valuable. So we're on the road home. We find out that God knew us before we were in our mother's womb. We find out that we're born into sin. We found out that Jesus comes to seek and to save that which is lost. And as the young people say, all of these are hashtag facts. These are the facts. This is truth. But as we start to get off on the exit and make our way home, 
We're going to look at Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, 8, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. You need to underline that. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Look at me for a second. None of us can boast about it. Can you imagine if we earned our salvation? We'd be walking around, well, I read the Bible in a year. Oh, I read the Bible in 10 days. Oh, no, I go to church. Well, I go do this and I go do that. I earn salvation. I'm here and there. But see, we make, I'm making light of that, but at one time I actually thought I could earn my salvation. I thought that God would love me more if I went to church. I thought that God would love me more if I read my Bible. I thought that God would love me more if I got baptized. I thought God would love me more if I listened to worship music. And none of that has anything to do with how much God loves you because God loves you because of what Jesus did on the cross. He doesn't love you because of what you do. You do what you do because God has already saved you and he's in your life. And it's an act of worship to him when you do the things that you do. So all these things are great. And grace is such a hard thing to understand because we live in a merit-based society. And here's what that means. We, we work for 12 hours and we expect 12 hours of pay. But God takes away that idea by sending Jesus to the cross to do what we could not do. Now let's look at verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Come on, somebody. I'm God's masterpiece, man. I'm God's masterpiece. I almost want everybody to do that. I'm God's masterpiece. Come on now. I don't know. Hey, you, you've been called some other things. You might as well get excited about being God's masterpiece. He created you anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do. This is why he created you new in Christ Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Get this. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That book that you should be writing, that's a good thing. Serving in the choir, that's a good thing. Clubhouse, United, The Zone, that's a good thing. Serving and, and pouring your gifts out to God, that's a good thing. He has ordained good things for you to walk in. And this is something my wife, I'm going to let you in a little bit, something my wife and I pray every morning. God, you have ordained good things for me to walk in. Give me the ability to choose them. Because you're going to be faced with choosing some things that's not so good. But God has created you anew to do the good things that he had ordained for you long ago. He ordained good things for, Josh, uh, for Jeremiah so he became the prophet. He ordained good things for David so he became a king. He ordained good things for Moses so he led the people of Israel. He ordained good things for Paul so he preached to the Gentiles. He ordained good things for Peter so he preached his first sermon. He ordained good things for you. What are you going to do with that? What good thing are you going to do because you're new in Christ? Here's another word I want you to underline in that verse. It said he planned them long time ago. Long ago. Long ago. When was long ago? When, wait a minute. God has good things for me to walk in and he planned them. Long ago. 
I thought about this this morning. It blows, it blows my mind because we're going to go back to my favorite verse. Let's go back to Jeremiah 1.5. When was long ago? Maybe it was before he formed you in your mother's womb. God planned things in eternity past for us to walk in right now. So how can you know your purpose if you don't connect with the one who gave you purpose in eternity past? We're running around trying to find our purpose, but our purpose is in Christ. And we can find our significance in God because he loved us before. He planned it before. If we can connect with what God has done before, we can seek and save the lost right now and use our gifts and talents to give them all the glory. Before, it's crazy. It's not a coincidence that you have a passion to sing. It's not a coincidence you got a passion for youth. It's not a coincidence that you've been dealing with writing the book or starting the blog or the less fortunate. It's not a coincidence. God is stirring you to do something in this generation that uh, a quote from one of my favorite movies, Gladiator, that will echo in eternity. Nothing we do for Christ will die with us. So how do we get home? How do we begin this relationship that can grant us eternal significance? Let's look at our outlines. In Romans 3.23, it says, for everyone has sinned and we fall short of God's glorious standard. Man, we got to just agree with God. We all sin and we fall short because we're born that way. So we agree with God that we're born with a sin condition. The second thing we do is this, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So we accept God's solution for our condition. It's so funny. My daughter, she's a nurse. She's a nurse practitioner. And she tells me all the time, she's like, Dad, I give people advice and it's up to them to take it. Like I can give them medicine, but if they don't take the medicine and get a solution, that's kind of up to them. So God gives us a solution. It's up to us to just accept it and receive it. So if I come home, what's the deal? See, we're Americans. We want benefits. So let me give you the benefits about coming home. If you come home, if you agree with God and you accept his solution, here's, here are the benefits. Look at John 5, 24. This is not in your outlines, but trust me, you want to write it down. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. Those who listen to my message, you just listen to it. And believe in God who sent me, have eternal life. Present tense. They have it right now. When they listen to the message and believe, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. This is amazing. Right in the middle of that, they will never be condemned for their sins. So death is really when you got to deal with God about your sins instead of Jesus dealing with God about your sins. See, we look at death, and death is, a, is one of those things that really hurt. But death is simply this. Death is when we transition from this life to the next with the same relationship we had when we were here. You see, if you have a relationship with God here, it continues in the next life. There's no difference. Your body is here, but your spirit goes back to the one who loved you before. There was a tragic accident last week 
in California. Nine people were on a helicopter, and that helicopter flew into a, 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 a mountain, and nine people ch uh, perished. Two of those people was Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Kobe Bryant, if you don't know, is an NBA star, played basketball for many years, Hall of Famer, and many people are mourning the loss right now in the sports world. And I got to thinking about this. My wife and I, we, we lost an uncle and an aunt over the past year and a half. And there's many people at our church that's on our staff that are mourning the loss of a loved one. One of my mentors told me last week he's struggling with his health. He, he needs a kidney transplant. And he said, Ralph, my health is failing me. And he told me this quote, and he said, Ralph, the day you're born, you're one day closer to dying. Death is simply a continuation of a relationship with or without God. We use this term at funerals, a home going. But is it really a home going? Because if it's a home going, then you're already at home with the one that you're going to. So I've redefined heaven and hell for the sake of this for myself. Heaven is eternity with God, simply put. Hell is eternity without God. And today, you're going to have an opportunity to choose. I have on my I have decided shirt. I'm representing. But honestly, deep down inside, I've truly decided. And God lives in me. His spirit lives in me. And I'm born again. And I'm ready to go home whenever that happens. And many of you are looking at this clock behind me. And you're wondering, like, yo, what's with the clock? Right? Well, according to several sources... Several good sources, CIA and the World Health Organization, 1.8 people die every second. So since I've been talking to you, 3,100 people have passed from this life to the next. What if your number was called? Do you know for a fact that we would be having a home going in a week or so? Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to strike fear in you. I want you to respond with faith and not fear. The reality of it is truth is very sobering. And I wanted to present you with some truth. So on every campus here at Van Dyke, I want everybody to stand to their feet as we get ready to close the service. 